I invite you to join me in Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 40. We're going to consider the remaining part of this chapter in a message entitled, Do Not Be Afraid, Only Believe. In a well-known interview of the scientist Leonard Mladenow, who co-authored the book The Grand Design with Stephen Hawking, Mladenow said, I find it very hard to see how people could believe in the Bible. Later in the same interview, he said, I tend not to believe things that there is no evidence for, but it is not always true. I do believe, for instance, in aliens. I believe there's life on other planets, and I think there's no evidence for that. Christian apologist William Lane Craig commented on Bloodnow's position, and he said, that's really bizarre, isn't it? that he believes in aliens, even though he says there's no evidence for it. But he says he just finds it in his heart to believe in extraterrestrial life. But apparently he doesn't find it in his heart to think that God exists. If he thinks it's rational to believe in aliens, Craig says, why then isn't it rational to believe in God? Now clearly we would assert that there is good evidence for our faith that we don't have just a blind faith that's a leap in the dark. We would say that there are many things that would point to the rationality of our faith, whether it be the order of creation or the fulfilled prophecy that we find throughout history or the person in the work of Jesus Christ and the evidence of his life on this earth or our changed lives by the power of God. But we would also admit at the same time that there is even still an element of faith. We believe in something that is supernatural, that cannot be touched or necessarily seen. We believe in a power that is greater than us, that is before us and is eternal in existence. And in our Christian faith, it requires that we exercise that faith. Because of the hardness of people's hearts, they find all kinds of ways and reasons and excuses not to believe in God. But in our passage of Scripture today, Jesus says very directly, Do not be afraid, only believe. I want to speak to you on the subject of faith, particularly the action of faith in our lives. Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 40. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? And when all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you. And you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceive 
power going out from me. Verse 47, now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, do not be afraid, only believe, and she will be made well. When he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her. But he said, do not weep, she is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. But he put them all outside, took her by the hand, and called, saying, little girl, arise. Then her spirit returned, and she arose immediately, and he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Jesus returned from across the Sea of Galilee back to the region of the Galilee after casting out the demons from the man on the other side of the lake. People were waiting for him. In fact, there were a lot of people waiting for Jesus. So many people that the Bible describes them as a multitude. Jesus came to uh, this place where all these people were pressing in on him. There was a throng of people that wanted to get close to Jesus. And among that crowd of people was a man named Jairus. Jairus is described as uh, ruler of the synagogue. He would have helped with leading the synagogue services. He was a spiritual leader. He would have had responsibility for the basic organization of their worship and perhaps the care of the facility that they met in. And he comes to Jesus, and in humility, he falls at the feet of Jesus, and he pleads with him on behalf of his daughter. You see, he had a 12-year-old daughter, his only daughter, and she was dying. He was in a desperate circumstance. Jesus continued on just a little bit further, and the multitudes pressed in on him. And Luke tells us that there was a woman in the crowd who had a chronic health problem. Apparently, she had a female health problem that was unresolved and was ongoing for some 12 years. She, too, was in a desperate circumstance. Her situation was not only a physical problem, but it also would have rendered her ceremonially unclean, where she could not have been under the law in close proximity to other people, particularly in religious activities. Nobody could heal this woman. She had spent everything that she had trying to get help uh, at the doctors, and nobody could help her. So she works her way through the crowd. She comes up behind Jesus, and she just touches the hem of his garment. And when she touches the hem of his garment, power flowed out of Jesus, and immediately she was healed. Jesus said, who touched me? Now, I believe he knew full well who it was that touched him. But he wanted this woman to reveal herself and to express her faith. The woman realized that 
She could not be hidden, so she comes before Jesus trembling and tells her story and what had happened when she was healed. And Jesus told her that her faith had made her well and that she could go in peace. Jesus was still speaking, and someone comes from Jairus' house. They said, don't trouble the teacher. It's too late. Your daughter is dead. Jesus, hearing the commotion and what was said, told Jairus not to be afraid, but to believe, and his daughter would be made well. Jesus continues on to the house, and when he gets there, he doesn't permit anybody to go in with him except Peter, James, and John, and the mother and the father of the girl. They were weeping, and there was mourning in the house, as you might imagine, at the death of a child. And the people in the house, when Jesus said that she was going to live, ridiculed him for what he said because they were sure that it was over and done with. And then Jesus does something that's very curious, but also very interesting. He speaks of death from God's viewpoint. You see, true death, eternal death, it's separation of the soul from God, not just separation of the soul from the body. Her dead body was asleep, but her soul was alive and well, and Jesus was about to bring it back to life. He puts everybody out of the room. He takes the girl by the hand, and he says, little girl, arise. And in an instant, her spirit returned, and she arose immediately, and Jesus said, Get this girl something to eat. And her parents were astonished at what had happened. Now the Bible speaks of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. In fact, we find a definition of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So faith is something that includes agreement with the truth. But if we believe what the Bible also teaches, that faith without works is dead, then we would say that faith is not only agreement with the truth, but faith requires action in life. Faith is believing what God has said, but it's also acting on what God says. So what I want us to consider in these few moments that we have together are three actions of faith that I think we can apply to our own lives that we see applied in this passage of Scripture. And the first is this. Faith seeks. Faith seeks. Now, we have no details here as to how either Jairus or the woman with the illness knew about Jesus. But what is certain is that they knew something about Jesus because they came to Jesus to try to seek out help for their need. They were both looking for intervention in the midst of desperate circumstances. It should not go unnoticed to us, especially as we've already studied through these early chapters in Luke, that the Galilean ministry of Jesus clearly demonstrated who he was and what he was capable of. 
From the very outset of his public ministry, the power of Jesus was on display. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 14, it says, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. Verse 15, and he taught in the synagogues, being glorified by all. So they knew what Jesus was capable of. Jesus had gone down to Capernaum where they were astonished at his teaching and his word was with authority. He cast out a demon from a man who was in the synagogue. The report went out throughout all the surrounding region. Jesus had healed Peter's mother-in-law from the fever that she had along with everyone else who was sick with various diseases and others who were demon-possessed. Jesus cleansed a man who was full of leprosy, and the report went out in all the surrounding area, and great multitudes came to hear Jesus and to be healed by him. Jesus forgave and healed a paralyzed man who was brought to him to demonstrate the power that he had to forgive sins. You remember on another occasion when he went into the synagogue, he healed a man who had a withered hand on the Sabbath, and he also taught. And when he went back out, a multitude came to him from all over to hear what he had to say. And the Bible says that he healed many and cast out demons. Power went out from him, and all in his presence were healed. Jesus healed the centurion's servant who was sick and about to die, and he didn't even have to go into the house to do it, and he commended the centurion for his great faith. Jesus told the disciples of Uh, John the Baptist to go and confirm that he indeed was the one who had come and in Jesus the blind see and the lame walk and the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised and the poor have the gospel preached to them he said blessed are they who are not offended because of me and then finally Jesus calmed the storm at the sea in the presence of his disciples and he cast out a legion of demons from the man who was in dire straits in the region of the Gadarenes. I think it is important to note that while faith seeks, none of us seek God on our own. Romans chapter 3 makes that clear in verse 10 and 11. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks after God. And in clearly making our point about the depravity of man, we often go to Romans chapter 3 and we read those very verses. But I would remind you that those verses are not the only verses in Romans chapter 3. In fact, when you get down to verse 21, it says, But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed to by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, watch this, through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. So Jesus has made himself known so that we might know him. Our circumstances without hope, we can't help ourselves. We'd not even know that we were lost. If the holiness of God were not presented to us and our undoneness, our sin were not clear. But when we come in view of the gospel, God opens our hearts and our eyes to see the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ, then faith seeks Jesus because of who he is, what he says, and what he's done. Faith seeks Jesus believing 
that he has the power to meet us at our point of need and to do something about it. Faith seeks Jesus believing that he is the Holy One who is capable of cleansing of of our sins. Faith seeks Jesus believing that he cares. And that's faith in action. The second action of faith is that faith overcomes. Now, I already gave you a definition of faith, but I want you to think about faith in in this way. Faith bridges the gap between your circumstances and God's solution. It's the power of God that bridges that gap. So it's not that we have great faith, but it's that we have faith in a great God. And faith is what God expects us to exercise, to cover the gap, to close the distance between our circumstances that are often desperate and God's solutions. And I would go a step further and say that faith is most operative and most evident when your solutions are spent. When you get to the end of your rope and you're out of answers and you're out of solutions and you're out of the ability to solve your problem, that's often when God's power is most clearly on display in your life, bringing you to that point that you recognize that you can't, but God can. You recognize that you have no strength and God has all the strength. And it's in that moment that he overcomes the circumstance. Now, we're not told what was wrong with Jairus' daughter, only that she was very sick. He apparently understood that a doctor was not going to be able to solve the problem, that he needed a miracle. The woman in the crowd with the health issue had spent all she had on doctors who could not help her. It's important to note that the physical problems serve as examples. They are symbolic of our core spiritual issues. So let me state it another way. Religion cannot solve your greatest spiritual problem. Religion in and of itself, in terms of a system of belief or worship, is not bad or inherently wrong. It is certainly not always negative. However, when rituals and rules are substituted as a means to gain acceptance with God, it is a dead end with eternal consequences. Self-help cannot solve your greatest spiritual problem. Education cannot solve your greatest spiritual problem. The government cannot solve your greatest spiritual problem. Success in life cannot solve your greatest spiritual problem because our greatest spiritual problem is sin, and because of sin, we are spiritually dead, and the only one who can bring someone from death to life is God. He's the only one. So any other solution that we're looking for, for our answer is going to come up short in our desire to overcome. The Apostle Paul wrote of what God had done on behalf of all who had faith in Jesus in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. He says, And you he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins. And then he says, In which you once walked. And then Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 says, God is rich in mercy. Verse 5, God made us alive together with Christ. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God. Verse 9, not of works, lest anyone should boast. 
So this is something God does for us. And I read you the definition of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And as you may know, that's not the only verse in that chapter. In fact, I think uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, there's a thread that runs through to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2. And if you miss the middle part of Hebrews chapter 11, you've probably missed a major part of what the point is. Because the writer chronicles people of faith who endured great hardship and yet they overcame. They believe that God is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But some of these people that we refer to and talk about and teach about who were spiritual heroes experienced persecution and trials and mockings and scourgings and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about destitute, afflicted, and tormented. And the Bible says that the world was not even worthy of them. This is the caliber of people who yet still overcame because of their faith. Hebrews 11 and verse 13 says these all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them from afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Verse 16, but now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And then in verse 39, it says, and all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, yet God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Now I want to make a point here that I think is incredibly important, especially when we're talking about faith. Because Jairus' daughter died again at some point. We're not told when. Maybe she was old, of good age. We don't know. But she died again at some point. The woman who was healed did not stay perpetually well. She died at some point. You say, what's your point? what's, What's the issue? Well, God can and does heal today, just as he always has, sometimes quietly and unknown to us, and at other times rather dramatically and miraculously. Physical healing is never the ultimate, however. The ultimate is spiritual healing and life with God. Understand that the momentary raising from the dead and healing in the physical realm were to demonstrate the power of Jesus to forgive sin and to overcome death and to give eternal life. That's the greater point. So yes, God intervenes and he does some amazing things and that we would overcome in this moment. But the moment in which we overcome is always pointing to the greater point. It's always pointing to the future. It's reminding us of a faith that overcomes. And I told you that Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 ties directly with Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2. And here it is. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The beautiful message of the gospel is that we have a Savior who has ultimately overcome. 
We have a Savior who was willing to suffer and die for us. We have a Savior who was willing to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. We have a Savior who has ultimately overcome so that whatever we experience in this life, we have a hope for eternal life. That's where faith takes us. And if our faith is only in the moment, we've missed out on much of what God has for us. It's the moment that prepares us for eternity and reminds us of the faithfulness of God. The third action of faith is that faith confesses. Faith confesses. Now, interestingly, here in our story, uh, Jairus and his wife uh, were told by Jesus not to tell anyone about the raising of their daughter from the dead, which is highly unlikely. It would be near impossible to keep something like that under wraps. But this is not the first time Jesus did this. He did it also when he healed the man with leprosy. He, he knew that the wrong kind of attention could draw people away from the message and cause them to be fixated only on the miracle. The point of Jesus demonstrating his power was not to be sensational, but to draw people to himself as the Savior. You remember the leper disobeyed Jesus, and as a result, Jesus had to move his ministry further out into the outer line areas. And the Bible says in Mark chapter 1 and verse 45, as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Now, in contrast, Jesus called the woman out to confess her faith and her healing. Why did he do that? Well, I think in part, he wanted the woman to not hold on just to what happened to her physically and the issue that was, uh, she was rescued from after 12 years. He wanted her to have faith in him. But I think this was also an additional act of grace. Remember I told you her condition would have caused her to be ceremonially, ceremonially unclean and she would not have been able to be in the community of people. And by healing her publicly and stating this and making it obvious, that would have been a sign that she could be welcomed back. The Bible says in Psalm 50 and verse 15, call on me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you will glorify me. You see, the woman in her own way had called upon Jesus and he healed her, but she had not yet glorified him. And it was her personal response to faith in the Lord that Jesus responded to and healed not only her body, but also her soul and told her to go in peace. Psalm 66 and verse 15 says, come and hear all you who fear God and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. Friends, that's the privilege we have, to see God at work, to seek him in faith when we're confronted with the reality of who he is and what he said and what he's done through his son, to exercise our faith in such a way that we can overcome. And when we overcome, we'll not take any credit for it, but we'll look to God and we'll say, it's God that's done this. It's God that gets the glory in my life for what he's done. It's God that gets the praise because he's brought me through a particularly difficult season in my life. It's God who gets the attention because it's by his power that I've been delivered. And it's that same kind of hope that helps us to understand that we can overcome whatever the challenges are that we face in this life. We know that we are headed toward a city whose builder and maker is God. 
We long for that heavenly city. In the meantime, we say, God, help us. Help us to be faithful. And help us to make you known so that other people might join us on this pilgrim's journey and know that God is able. Do not be afraid. Only believe. It's the message in the passage. It's the message to us. Let's bow our heads together just for a moment. Here in just a moment, we're going to have a closing song. We're going to do something we haven't done in a little while. I did it impromptu in the second service. We're going to sing, invite you to sing this closing song. I love to tell the story. Really a confessional of our faith in Christ. But I wonder, do you have a story to tell? If you do, if you've got a testimony, a story, then you've got much to be thankful for. And you can take this moment right now and say to God, God, thank you that you rescued me from my sin. Thank you that you've put me on that journey toward the heavenly city. Help me to be faithful as I overcome the obstacles of life by your power. Friend, I don't know what's going on in your life or your home, your family. Maybe there's a particular need that you're struggling with right now. And the message that has come to you today is, do not be afraid, only believe. I encourage you to meditate on that idea this week and be reminded that God is able. Maybe you don't have a story to tell because you don't know Jesus. You've never crossed over from death to life, from darkness to light. And God is calling you to believe on his one and only son, to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead so that you can be saved. That's my invitation to you, whether you're here in this room or you're listening online. If you don't know for certain that you've been born again, today could be the day that your life changes forever. If you'll trust in Jesus, he'll receive you into his eternal presence. Father, thank you for these two examples in Luke chapter 8. We stand in awe of Jesus. Jesus, miracle after miracle, demonstrated your power. Help us to live in the reality of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, but also to lean into the truth of Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, that we would look to you, Jesus. Continually we would look to you because you are the author and the finisher of our faith. And for that we say thank you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.